This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare born from the spa. Milk and Honey sources and uses the safest possible ingredients in both their spa treatments and product lines, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. I recently went to their Brentwood location to treat myself to a spa day. In addition to having a wonderful and deeply therapeutic massage, I really appreciated how peaceful and relaxing the spa environment is. The lounge that is available for guests pre and post treatments felt like a little sanctuary and retreat away from the outside hustle and bustle of LA. We are so excited to now be able to offer our listeners a discount at all milk and honey spas, including both LA locations in Culver city and Brentwood. We are even more excited to partner with them to offer a spa package called the courageous wellness retreat, a 60 minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. And for all our listeners in any location, their online boutique offers products from the milk and honey line and from other top brands, including Osea Malibu, super goop, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. Courageous Wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any Milk and Honey location with code CW Podcast. Visit milkandhoneyspa.com to find a location near you. And if you want to try the Courageous Wellness Spa package at a special discounted rate, use the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. And you can find all this information in our show notes. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French, and this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Courageous Wellness. We have a really 
really great conversation with New York Times bestselling author Kevin Kelly. This is definitely, I think, a favorite episode so far this year that we recorded. I learned so much from Kevin and I was just really moved by a lot of his advice. And and from this conversation, it was just really great. Um, And so we're going to get into that in a second. But before we do, we're going to do our weekly updates. And I can kick us off. I have, it's kind of a follow-up to a recent update I gave um, for our listeners, or if you listen to one of our recent episodes, I've been dealing with a lot of medical and health stuff with a family member. And I ended up um, staying in the hospital in Los Angeles with this family member for five days. Anyway, this brings me to my update because I've kind of been in caretaking mode and I haven't had as much time to prepare nutritious meals. Like I'm just starting to get back into a regular routine for myself after the last couple months. And so what has been a game changer for me, which we've talked about before is the Saqqara meal delivery. And for anybody who isn't familiar with Saqqara, it's an organic whole food plant-based meal delivery system. They have two-day, three-day, and five-day programs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Again, it's all organic, gluten-free, and plant-based. And it's really delicious. It's really food forward. It's um, it's things I wouldn't really make myself. So it seems it's like decadent too, which is really fun when you're kind of in a busy season, which I've been in. And I just loved it. And it was so delicious. And it's very um, plant forward. Obviously, it's plant based, but you get these like really delicious big salads and greens. And I just felt really nourished. And so I wanted to share that as my update and mm-hmm. remind everyone that we do have a code with Sakara if you want to try the meal delivery service for yourself. If you are in a busy season of your life, they again have I'd recommend starting with the three day you get breakfast, lunch and dinner, and it's a good way to try out kind of the whole little system, but they also have five day as well. And you can save 20% with code XO courageous. And they've really been a lifesaver for me on and off throughout the years, but really in this busy season. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I was storing a little bit about it when I had my, (laughs) when you had a meal delivery, but I've been so bad with stories because, um, you know, it's just, it's a busy season, but yeah, we got to work together yesterday in person, which was really fun. And Allie also fed me. She's, I love working at Allie's <laughs> place because she's such an amazing cook, chef, whatever. She's just wonderful. Like you're the type of cook where you can just like throw together what's in your refrigerator and make it colorful and delicious. You made me a beautiful, colorful salad. And so, um, yeah. So it's like, if I'm not at Allie's and not in my <laughs> regular routine, I'm, I'm all about that Sakara life. So yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, Allie, good. what about you? What is your update? You know, this week, um, my husband had some work travel. And so I had a little time, a little extra time to myself, which although I miss him, I really kind of took advantage of just, um, not scheduling a ton. I I did do some nice like walks and hikes with friends, which was great, but really, um, in addition to just kind of the normal work flow, like spending time by myself in the evenings and trying to go to bed early. Like I even took a bath one night, which was awesome. Um, and anybody who knows me and Erica would probably attest to this. Um, 
I'm kind of like a go, go, go crash person. Like that's just <laughs> yes. who I've been my whole life. Even my mom said as a kid. Um, so I'm trying to do like, I'm trying to incorporate some things, some quiet time, some stillness before I move into like crash zone before it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and it was, it was good. It was, uh, it was nice to have some just like alone time. I actually, I don't know, maybe it's cause I'm an only child, but I really do enjoy some quiet time. Um, and so I, I, that's, it's not, you know, it's not a, a massive, you know, update for me this week. It was just something I was like kind of aware of and, and trying to give to myself. And it does take me a minute to sort of unwind. And I noticed that too, but when we give ourselves that time, we have a little bit more space for <laughs> awareness and self-reflection too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was good. But um, I was, was going to say life advice you'd give to young Allie. Right? Young Allie, <laughs> like right. Looking back. Or, or last um, week, Allie. <laughs> last week, Allie. Yeah. No. But, um, and what I, what I loved about this episode, too, is how hopeful Kevin mm-hmm. is, right, for the future. And it's just, it's a really good listen for, for everyone. So I'm excited to get into it. Yes. And before we do, we just want to remind everybody that this episode is brought to you by Milk and Honey. Uh, we have a 20% off discount code for any of their spa services. So any of their physical locations in Los Angeles, also Chicago, around Texas as well. But then their online boutique, you can use code CW podcast again for 20% off at either their spas or their online boutique. Um, and with that, I think we should get to the episode. Yes. Okay. So today on the podcast, we have New York Times bestselling author, Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly has led a fascinating and remarkable life and has been ahead of the curve on practically everything he has done. He is the founding executive editor of Wired Magazine and a former editor publisher of Whole Earth Review, as well as having been a writer, photographer, conservationist, and student of Asian and digital culture. Remarkably, he accomplished all of this as a college dropout. Instead of finishing college, he went to Asia, saying that was one of the best decisions he ever made. He traveled in the 1970s as a poor solo photographer in the hinterlands and villages of Asia between Iran and Japan on about $2,500 per year and came back with 36,000 slides. Author of The Inevitable and What Technology Wants, his latest book, Excellent Advice for Living, Wisdom I Wish I'd Known Earlier, is his most personal book yet. On his 68th birthday, Kelly started to write down for his young adult children advice he had learned about life from experience and his travels that he had wished he had known earlier. It's a collection of his life's wisdom gathered over the years since, from setting ambitious goals to optimizing generosity to cultivating compassion. Kelly shares compact but profound tips for career, relationships, parenting, and finances, and gives guidance for practical matters from travel to troubleshooting and much more. We have a really powerful conversation with Kevin. We both really enjoyed it, and we hope you enjoy the conversation and gain as much from listening as we did. 
Before we get to today's episode, we want to tell you a little bit about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Erica and I are both certified integrative health coaches. I have advanced training in hormone health, and she has advanced training in gut health. And we offer health coaching and corporate coaching through the Courageous Wellness Collective. We continued our education and received certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. IIN has taken the lead in the health coaching industry from its inception and provides a comprehensive curriculum that combines nutrition, coaching, and business. We loved the program and have had many listeners ask us about continuing their education in nutrition, health coaching, or even just advancing their personal knowledge about food and nutrition. So we are very excited to be able to offer a discount to Courageous Wellness listeners to study at IIN. The program is completely accessible virtually with lectures led by health, wellness, and medical industry experts. To receive up to $2,500 off your tuition, you can use our names, Allie French or Erica Stein, at the time of enrollment to receive the tuition discount. We have also included a link in the show notes that will take you directly to IIN to learn more about their wonderful programs. Thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us today. We are really excited to have this conversation and learn from you and introduce our audience to your work today. But before we begin, can you share a little bit about your background and and who you are? Yeah, I, I am probably very unqualified to be doing what I'm doing. I'm a college dropout. I spent... Um, my college years and beyond in Asia with very little money and a lot of time um, photographing, which was my passion, uh, turns out to photograph the disappearing cultures of Asia, which many, many years later, I turned into a set of books. But um, I came back from that experience um, very optimistic about the future, having seen with my own eyes people who, societies who were transforming from becoming medieval institutions and villages into some of the most futuristic cities on the planet. And so um, that kind of shaped a little bit me later on. I was not interested in technology at the very beginning. I was more hippie-ish. I owned um, some cameras and a backpack, and later on a bicycle, and that was it. Um, and I was happy with that kind of a distance with technology, but I had an experience when I first started my my first business, which was about travel, budget travel guides, getting using a computer in the lab that I worked at at night to um, send some information over the phone lines. And I discovered that there was this other emerging country uh, called the online world. And I, and I was writing about traveling. And so I decided to treat it as if it was a new country. And I was writing a travel guide to this new country and becoming very excited. And for the first time, I felt that there was a technology that was human scale, that it was sort of appropriate, that it was felt organic in a curious way. And so anyway, that was the beginning of changing my mind about technology and its role and I was at the Whole Earth Catalog, which is kind of the Bible for hippies at the time. We got involved in the early days of this new world, and one thing led to another, and I became more and more convinced that this communication technology was a good thing, and um, 
I saw it coming and I could had some experience in it and I would try and talk about what it was doing. And it was a very hard sell in the very beginning. People did not believe it. They really didn't think this would ever become mainstream. They really thought it was a thing that teenage boys were involved in and that was it. And I felt, mm, no, this is this is a, this is the real thing. This is really going to, to take off. And so that was sort of beginnings of of Wired, and um, and and then later on, just more and more um, paying more attention to the technology as a major shape in our society. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating this sort of um, perspective you're able to share with us on evolving technology um, over the course of your life and career too. And so I would love to get into that a little bit before we go into just sort of the general life advice from your latest book. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, I I know that technology has um, developed kind of exponentially, even over the course of my lifetime and the course of the last few years. And um, I think as I'm like, I'm kind of moving into my late thirties now, I'm feeling it in a different way. Um, especially just because of the, like that exponential component, at least it feels like this. And, and you talk a lot about, you know, you having a sense of optimism about the future, uh, which sometimes (laughs) is not a common thing to hear all the time in, in our current sort of social climate. And um, so that's one thing that I would like to ask you about, Mm -hmm. maybe why you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And how does that interact with what you know about technology Mm -hmm. currently? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've actually kind of concluded that optimism is actually a skill, something you can learn and become better at. And I am naturally optimistic i would say in temperament but actually i have deliberately become more optimistic as i get older and um i'm now incredibly optimistic about what technology is bringing can bring to us um the optimism comes i think it's easier to be optimistic when you have a longer view the the, the longer your view both of the past and of the future the more optimistic you're able to be so in the past again if you look at the past, and I had, I had the privilege of getting into a time machine and going back to the past and living in villages that were in the 1500s, exactly the same. And so I, I know where we've come from and how far we have gone and why most of the people in those villages have left and moved into the big cities where it's gritty and grimy because they have more choices and possibilities there. And so I've seen the long view of the past and becoming more and more interested in history and reading and understanding where we've come from has helped me be optimistic about today. And then looking into the future, again, the longer view that you have of where we're headed, the more optimistic you can become because the thing about our little gains is that they're compounding, that, that that's what civilization is. It compounds the little tiny gains. And so even if we only make the world a little bit better this year, if, if 49% of it is harmful crap and destruction, but 51% is good, 
then that's 1% better. That compounded over time, over many years and decades, can overcome all kinds of setbacks and all kinds of volatility and all kinds of disasters. And so that's, you know, that's when any of the investors will tell you that, you know, hold it for the long term and the ups and downs and disasters, even wars, don't really register. This can overcome the compounding interest is so powerful, it can overcome that. And so if you take a longer view of decades ahead, we can be more optimistic. And so that's where some of my optimism comes is, is really trying to cultivate that long view. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think it can even be applied, I'm sure, to our individual lives um, as well, because I, I know so many people have gone through such intense transformation personally in the last few years, in addition to collectively. And I think sometimes that's just even myself, that's a really cool way to look at even the individual growth. It's like, okay, well, if 51% has been good, right. why can't I focus on that as opposed right. to that other side, which I feel like is so, it I don't know if it's human nature, but for a lot of people, it's easier sometimes to focus on the negative. And I would love for you to elaborate to one you said, like, I, I also, I think historically have been like an optimistic person, but I'm really interested in this like deliberate optimism that you mentioned. So I was wondering if you could elaborate on how you've been able to do that and any advice for our audience who might want to do that as well. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I think we have almost kind of like a moral obligation to be as optimistic as we possibly can, because it's the optimists of the past who have shaped our present today. So all the cool things from you know, a smartphone to electric car to mRNA vaccines that we have made have been made by people who t believed or, or first imagined something impossible and then believed truly that they could be made real and then went through the long process of making them real with that belief, with that optimistic belief that, that they would work. And so, um, so that means that today, um, as we go forward, um, it's the people who are having an imagination and believing something is good, going to be possible, even though it seems unreasonable or unlikely, and believing that it is, that form of optimism, they're going to be the ones shaping our future in the, fu in the, in, 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 in the future, or, or they're, they're, they're creating our future right now. So, so the future, I mean, the optimists have created the present today, and they're going to be creating our future. And so... You want to be on the side of the people who are making the world. And they're, it's going to be made by the optimists. And the thing about optimism is, is that it doesn't negate the problems. It doesn't deny the problems. It doesn't say that they're smaller than we think or less severe. It only says that our ability to solve problems is even greater. Mm. Okay? That's what it is. Is You're focusing on the strength. You're saying... Yes, as you said, the thing about problems is that they're cheap to see. It's easy to see problems. It's entropy. It's like most things are going to fail. Most stuff doesn't work. Most stuff made is crap. It's the easy thing because it's it's like breaking. We can see how it breaks so easily. But imagining how things work is much more difficult. It's expensive. It costs. It's harder. It's improbable. And so... so the problem, the thing about it is we need people focused on the problems. But 
But there are a lot of people focused on the problems. What we what we knew is we need a few more focused on the opportunities, focused on the the pessimist on on the, on the optimist side. We just need more of it. It's not we don't need less. I'm not saying we need less focus on the on problems, but the, but they're cheap and easy to see. It's expensive and hard and difficult to see the optimistic side. So we just need a little bit more energy in that direction. Yeah, that's that's great. It makes sense. You know, it's interesting that concept of that you shared about like the optimists from the past have created the present and that it's sort of our job or our opportunity to take to create the future. That's very, Erica and I actually originally met through a shared Buddhist practice that we have. Mm -hmm. And that's very, that concept feels very Buddhist where it's like the present, the causes in the present determine the effects in the future. And in a sense, like not to let the our personal past determine our future, but to like make a a cause, take an action in the moment now in the present. And that's ultimately what determines the outcomes of the future. And so I just really, I, I resonated with that when you shared that because it's true, it's not negating or using sort of like a, a toxic positivity to say that like these problems don't exist, but to take on like that more of us need to take on the responsibility and have the imagination to try to tackle solutions. Right. Um, and, yep. and I guess that in and of itself is inherently optimistic being willing right. to, uh, m- at least try, try <laughs> to challenge the obstacles, you know? Right. It's, it's trusting the future in some sense is mm-hmm. a part of, my book is about this idea that we can trust strangers, that we can trust, uh, we, you know, people call it pronoia, that you can trust the universe as basically um, biased towards the good. It's that there's a bias towards the good, that, that um, given all things being equal, people will generally treat you well if you trust them and treat them well, and that, yeah, occasionally someone may may cheat you if you've been trusting, but that's a small tax to pay for all the huge gains that you're getting by trusting people and giving them their best because they're going to give you their best. And so there's a bias in in, in the general fabric of, of of the world, and there's there's paradoxes in that bias, which is that you know the more the most selfish thing you can do. Is to be generous, <laughs> right? Okay, right? Because the the more you give, you're going to get back even more. Mathematically, that doesn't make any sense. If everybody in the world is giving and they're getting more back, that doesn't add up. But that is the paradox of of the universe is is that there's a bias towards the kind and bias towards the generous and bias towards the abundance. And so, um, so I think we want to. Again, it doesn't negate the fact that problems are real and severe, and there are going to be even bigger problems in, than in the past, and those problems are going to be even more powerful. But the solution to the problems, in my mind, is not less of technology, not less choices, not less possibilities, but more and better ones. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's all, this is, I mean, this is such great advice. This is why you wrote a book of advice for, for people. I mean, this is, this is great. And I'm curious too about your own, I guess, toolbox, because I think a lot of this stuff too is a muscle that, right, like anything, like we have to exercise it. Right. And so 
can you maybe share with us what are some things that help you kind of keep this perspective even when the problems are are very big? Yeah. Um, I mentioned kind of in passing that um, a sense of history and and I one of the things I had to do thinking about the future more and more is to read more and more history. So the more history that I read, the more it helps me remain optimistic and um, kind and generous. And, and, and that is, is because um, one of the things you understand if you read history, and it can be local history, US history, it could be world history, it could be ancient history, is like the problems we have right now are really smaller compared to the problems in the past. The politics today, as horrible as they are, were minor compared to the craziness, even in the U.S. Um, before. I mean, we you know, have like, well, we did a civil war. I mean, we got to that point. There was, um, there was, you know, the, the vice president shooting political opponents with a gun. There was just like total craziness. There were people who actually were anti-constitutionalists. I mean, the constitution itself was this, was this controversial thing. And there were people who were dead set against having a constitution at all. I'm just saying it was far more extreme than we think now. And so we have kind of, and so that helps us understand that the problems today are solvable. So one of the things that they have the child psychologists talk about is they talk about learned optimism, where you can actually teach your kids to be more optimistic. And one of the things that they do, the tricks you were mentioning in the in the pocket, was um, to help the kids understand that setbacks are only temporary and they're not your identity. It's not like I am an unlucky person or this always happens to me or I can't escape this. That's your identity, and that's not what they're they're trying to say. No, this is not. Setbacks are temporary and can be overcome. And teaching that, those kids that sort of absorbed that became, they prospered, they thrived more. We want to share how excited we are to offer our community 20% off their first order at Sakara with code XOCourageous. We have been big fans of the company for years, and the Sakara Life Organic Meal Delivery Program is based on a whole food, plant-rich diet that includes fresh, nutrient-dense, and delicious ingredients. It's perfect for those weeks you need a refresh or don't have time to meal prep. They also have a clean boutique, which offers delicious food forward bars, snacks, beauty water drops, and my personal favorite metabolism super powder, which works to fire up your metabolism, stabilize blood sugar, eliminate bloat and decrease puffiness. The naturally rich low sugar, dark chocolate flavor is perfect for smoothies or simply mixed with coffee and nut milk. I also regularly use the Sakar cookbook full of plant-rich recipes, which you can purchase on their website. Click the link in our show notes to visit sakara.com and use code XOCourageous for 20% off your first order. We know you will love it as much as we do. There's also things like the marshmallow test, which I'm sure you've heard about, which is taking little kindergarten kids and you put a marshmallow sitting right in front of them, a candy, whatever it is. And they say, um, you, know, you can have this one now, but if you wait, 
five minutes or 10 minutes and don't eat it, um, you'll have more. We'll give you three more. And then they leave the room and the little kids are sitting in front of this, you know, this, this, they can hear it telling itself this marshmallow. And it's like, do they eat it or not? And the kids that can learn that kind of delayed gratification become better adjusted, more able to take a longer view on things. And so that that's another kind of a skill that can make people more optimistic where they where they can trust the future. It's like, yeah, I can trust that that right now I can have this immediately, but I can trust the future knowing that I have more rewards further down the lines if we delay the gratification. Yeah, that that makes sense. I remember hearing about that uh, study, and it's funny. And I was like, "Yeah, it'll help. It'll help." Uh, I, I was going to say it'll, it helps show. Um, I think the power of sugar too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but right. um, so to get a little bit into your book, so it started in your your sixty eighth birthday. If mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, that you you decided to start writing down um, advice for your adult children, and after a few years, you continued to write down more little snippets or like you said, like almost tweets of advice um, throughout that you've learned throughout your lifetime or that you wish you had kind of known maybe at a younger phase. And it's called Excellent Advice for Living Wisdom. I wish I had known earlier. And um, so can you share with us a little bit about, yeah, just maybe even what sparked you know, on your birthday, what sparked this idea of, mm-hmm. Hey, I'd like, I have some ideas that I'd like to share, you know, with my children. Yeah. So, so I, um, our parenting, I have three, three kids are, and they're all kind of about your age now. And, um, uh, our parenting advice was, was not to be preachy. We didn't actually give them very much advice. Our idea was to model the behavior because I don't think kids listen to their parents. They kind of observe what they do. And they you kind of teach more powerfully that way, by not telling, but by showing. And so that was what we did. So it means that that we didn't actually have a lot of these things to say, but I was always collecting them myself. I always enjoyed these little proverbs because I would use them to remind myself, change my own behavior. And I was writing these down as ways to remind myself of these things. And some of the times there were about half of them that I was writing down were kind of channeling the ancients, you know, the Bible, the Stoics, and it was and what they're what they've learned from their own grandparents and kind of taking timeless knowledge. And other it was more kind of contemporary practical stuff that I just understood that were more of things that I felt that they should know, like um how to find things when they're lost or, you know, how to remember where things were put away by repeating to myself to, to look for them, not where to put them away, not where I found them, but where I first looked for them. Something I repeat to myself when I can't find it, find a flashlight. Oh, I'm going to put it back. Not where I found it, but where I first looked for it, uh, the way to find it. So that was kind of advice I would repeat to myself. And I was putting these kinds of things down for myself originally. And then I realized that, I actually wished I had known some of this earlier that um, and our kids left. And so we don't have, we can't model them anymore, but they need to be reminded of these things. And so I started to write down the kinds of things I wished I had been told earlier. And I 
decided to do the Irish hobbit thing of giving away a present on my birthday. And so um, I, I did 68 because I was 68. And I thought, okay, I'll, this is what I know. And um, my kids sort of enjoyed it. And they were saying, you know, you haven't said this to us, but you did teach it to us. And it's nice to, to have these in this form. So I was encouraged to do more the next birthday. And I posted these online and they kind of went, went viral. And I was encouraged to do it even more a third time. And then I said, you know, this is really good, but it's kind of a dispersed, it's like tweets. It would be good to put them all into one handy thing you could hand to somebody young. And um, that was the origin of the book. And the, I'm hearing from people that actually they're saying, who are parents now themselves, and they're saying, you know, my kid doesn't listen to anything I say, but they'll listen to someone else. So I'm giving them your book. <laughs> and so, yeah, okay, that works. Yeah, it's it's so cool. And it is, it's packed with so much great advice and in, in small tidbits. And, and even, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to read through a lot of the book. And I was also going through on um, even just the reviews on Amazon, you're so celebrated, like people are really mm -hmm. absorbing your incredible wisdom. And I loved this one that someone posted online. Um, you know, they were like, this wisdom is very practical and quotable, for example, from from your book, when you um, are stuck, explain your problems to others. Often simply laying out a problem will present a solution. Make explaining the problem part of your troubleshooting solution. And I just like, I loved it. I love how like snackable and quotable um, this all is. But I think there too is like a theme of vulnerability, right? In a lot of, you know, even if it's not obvious or in your face, right? Like I think being vulnerable is is really important. And I'm I'm wondering if there was anything that surprised you when you started receiving feedback, like the one I just read. Um, was there any advice that maybe went viral that was like surprising or um anything that really you keep hearing has impacted others um that you could maybe share with us? I, I think the 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 surprise is maybe a little bit orthogonal to that. The surprise to me has been how there's been basically, I would say, like zero overlap between people's favorite bits. It was like that I was not, I was expecting, as you were suggesting, that there'd be one thing that would be occurring, but that actually hasn't happened. And instead, the opposite has happened is that um, every time, and you're this is a great example, nobody has told me that, except for that review, no one has told me that in any podcast that I've done, that that was something that they noticed that they liked. And so that's been, that's been a total joy for me. And maybe confirmation of, you know, of putting them all in is that um, people will find different things that they love. And and by the way, if you're a creator, if you're making things, if you're a podcaster, if you're whatever, you have to understand that that's one of the reasons why you want to do things on a continuous basis because there will always be things that that people don't like about something you've done and also corresponding things that, that you may not have thought appeal to people that they'll love and so it's so hard to tell and that's of course, the whole thing about movie businesses and book businesses if, if they could tell well, who would be the best seller just by reading the material you'd be a billionaire, but you can't 
it's always a complete surprise once you put it out what it is that people respond to and you don't and you as a creator don't, don't even know and so the solution the remedy of that is keep producing over and over again because you can't really tell at the time of creation what's going to work and what won't that's awesome for all the creators listening We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, then you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using Seed for close to a year now and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am devoted to taking seed every single morning before food, and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic is vegan and gluten-free and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains, not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. And in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet. Pretty important, right? Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community as well. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use the code COURAGEOUS15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes. It actually leads me to my next question, which I think you might have a unique perspective on, both as someone with a pulse on technology and being a creator. So lately, AI has been on the tips of a lot of people's tongues. And Erica and I are both based in Los Angeles. And as many people know, there's been a long writer's strike, which um, AI has come up as a both in humor, but I think in, in with some seriousness as well about, and, and not just in writing, but in talent of any kind in the creative, in the creative arts. Um, and so my question for you, and I just love your perspective on this because I just don't even feel like I know enough mm-hmm. about it yet, but mm-hmm. Is, you know, you're saying like technology is constantly improving the world, which we know to be true on some level. And there's a lot of fear around it coming after, especially creative um, professions and the way people, you know, live and earn, but also just... I think the cre- the act of being a creative human in general, and that on I think there's fear of that being replaceable. Um, so, can you share with us just your personal thoughts on and yeah, where yeah. those things overlap? Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, I started off as a photographer. I um, did this photography series of book, which was the second highest nonfiction Kickstarter in, in history. It was it was very successful. Um, uh, for a whole year, I I did a, 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 a piece of art painting by hand on the iPad that I posted every day for a year. Made art every day for a year, and this past year, I've been doing a piece of art every day with AI co-creating for done. It started last June. It's actually almost a year. And um, here's the thing about it. I would say, so anyway, I, I have some involvement in art. Of course, I, you know, write books and make my living in that kind of creation. And um, I would say generally, don't worry about the employment aspect of the AIs. They're not going to, the, the people who lose job will be very insignificant overall. Just don't even worry about it, including the creators. Um, so far, I've not met anybody who actually has lost their job to an AI artist. So an, I've, no, I've not met any artist who has lost their job to AI. Um, again, there's kind of lots of people worried about it. And lots of people, the general trend is to say, look, my job is safe, but I'm worried about other people. And that third person idea is sort of what's propelling it. There's actually no evidence of any real career loss. I would say you're not going to lose your job, but you will may lose your job description. The tasks that you do will probably shift. Some of the programmers, coders, where, 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 where again, the JetGBT and these others can do programming pretty good. They're saying almost 90% of what I was doing can be done by these interns, but the 10% that I'm left doing it's actually, they're actually helping me be even better in that 10% and expanding that 10% to be my new job. And so that's generally the pattern that we're seeing. And so, um, so, so, so that aspect of, of losing your job and the writer's thing, that's, that's Hollywood. That's, that's a Hollywood romance thing where that's not going to happen. There's literally not a single writer in Hollywood is going to lose out to AI. What will happen is that most of them will use it in conjunction. It's it's the what I call the universal personal intern. You have an intern working with you, and there'll be tons of people using them to work with them. Just two days ago, Adobe released a version of Photoshop that has AI built into Photoshop. So it's doing the kinds of things that people have always done with Photoshop is to alter and you know, make up stuff. But now I can do it because I don't have expertise to kind of do that kind of retouching. It would take me hours and hours. But now I can do it um, with the AI generator. It's called Generative Fill, which I've been using. And it's amazing. It's great. It's fantastic. But it's doing what Photoshop is doing, which is altering things, making it unbelievable. Okay. So, 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 um, so these tools are going to kind of become the thing that most people, professionals, will use as a, a co-pilot, as a, as an intern, as an assistant, as a, as a teammate, and that's the relationship that we have with these that we're going to have with these things is is as, as we call them centaurs, as half. AI half human. And what we know from being in the medical world, 
from radiologists. No radiologists have lost their jobs, by the way. They've actually been increasing in hiring. Um, pilots, doctors, all these things are the team of the AI plus the human is better than either the AI or the human alone. And that's the general model that we're going to be going for. Yeah. It kind of reminds me even back to the beginning of the optimism we talked about. It's like, which side, like, do we want to focus on the positives and how this can help and like focus on solutions that way? Are we going to focus on, you know, the The other side, right? Because they, they're both there, but you know, back to that problems. The AIs will, they're the most powerful technology we've ever made. They'll have the most powerful problems, but the problems are not going to be in employment. Their problems are elsewhere. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit. I mean, we have, you know, such great films and TV now, but I'm sure a lot of people, have you guys seen her with Spike Jones? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. right. Um, it's like, it reminds me a little of, you know, Absolutely. I think it's, and, you know, and by the way, right now we have these things can do artificial creativity. Mm-hmm. What we haven't seen, what we're not really ready for in speaking of her is the fact that, that we're going to overlay, we're going to engineer and put into them emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People will absolutely a hundred percent bond with different AIs. Yeah. It's good. It's so if anybody hasn't watched the movie, I recommend it. It's, right, right. it's a beautiful film, but it's definitely interesting, especially as the technology continues right. to advance. But right. Thank you so much. I mean, thank you for everything you've shared with us today. I feel like this was such an enriching conversation and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've taken so much away and I'm sure our audience has as well. But as we begin to wrap up, we always conclude with three questions. And the first question that I wanted to ask is what is your personal self-care routine? What are some of your daily self-care non-negotiables? Yeah, for, for me, uh, making something, trying to make a piece of art or write something to to create something. So that is an essential part of my day. The second thing is I'm a legendary walker. I, I organize these things we call walk and talks, which I tell people about because anybody can do it. So um, uh, a friend of mine who's a walker, um, we invite um, 10 to 12 people to join us on a week-long walk somewhere in the world where we walk all day for about 10, 12 miles and then arrive at a lodge with a meal and we just carry day packs because the luggage is forwarded. And then in the evening, we have a Jeffersonian conversation. We have one conversation about one topic and everybody present during that week gets to have their topic discussed by the group. And it's remarkable and memorable, but it's a walking thing. And that walking is something I do every day. So what I'm saying is I walk every day religiously because I think walking is one of the best ways to empty your mind and then refill it with new ideas. And so I'm a huge believer in the physical, mental, spiritual aspects of walking. That's great. We are both big walkers too. Um yeah, I would love to do something like that. You should do it. And so yeah. there are places so in England, Ireland, mm-hmm. Europe, Japan, where you can have someone help you set up that thing. Yeah. Do all the logistics. So you're just carrying day packs, working, walking from B&B to end to end, talking all day, and then talking in the evening while you're walking. It's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Um, the second question we ask all of our guests is, what does being courageous mean to you? Hmm. 
That's a good question. Courageous. Um, I think courageous, I think, is taking taking informed risks. Informed risk meaning that it's like a lot of entrepreneurs have learned this trade-off about risk. People think that they're taking crazy risks, but they're actually taking very calculated risks. The calculated risk is like they're not being foolish. They're not being, um, yeah, crazy in the sense of they're being calculated in saying that the, there's there's a cost-benefit trade-off and the yield is very high and the the risk is worth the the payoff and it's and it's manageable and create so, so being courageous i think is the same thing where you are in, endorsing the risk in a calculated way that's not just foolish or stupid um where you're going to die or where you're going to lose and so um you want to be able to um you want to you, you want to be good at taking risks it's a kind of risk taking. Maybe that's what I would say as my conclusion. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the final question we ask is, has there been a book that has been particularly meaningful to you throughout your journey on any topic um, that you'd like to share with our audience? Well, I always recommend, particularly among people in the West, that no matter what you think the Bible says, it doesn't say that. And you should read it all the way through at least once from beginning to end just in terms of its role in the world of understanding so much of what's happened. And also, as I said, because no matter what you think it says, it doesn't say that. Read it for yourself. Lots of it is very peculiar and disturbing. Lots of it is magical and wonderful. And, you know, I wrote a book of 450 proverbs, basically. <laughs> and so there's lots of proverbs and wisdom of the old, but... It is overall a much more remarkable book than you might think, no matter what it is that you think about it. Thank you. And if anybody wants to find you, follow your work, um, buy your book, where can they do that? So the book, Excellent Advice for Living, I think is Amazon and better bookstores in the world. The indie bookstores, I think, have them. And um, for me and my work, whether it's I do a newsletter, have done for six years weekly called Recommendo of um, the cool stuff that I and my partners recommend at one pager. Um, that and um, my other blogs on the Technium about the technology stuff and then my Asia book, all, all that stuff is at my initials, kk.org. So it's an early web um, name kk.org. Um, you can find more about me and the socials and all that kind of stuff. Thank you so much. And thank you again for your time and, and your advice with us today. We really appreciate it. Well, I love your questions. Thank you both. Um, I really appreciate your giving me some attention and ability to share this. And I wish you the best thank as you, you go forward. Don't be the best, be the only. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. 
subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.